Philippians chapter number one. We're going to be going through, well, I want to start in verse 27 to 30, but I'm going to go back to verse 21 in just a little bit. So if you have a Bible, I want you to read it to me. I'm going to read it to me. Read it with me. Philippians 1, 27 to 30. So we'll read it together. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Good job, good job. We're talk- we'll jump back up to Philippians 121. I'll read it. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having desire to depart, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Last week, we talked about just the simple thing of Paul desiring go to heaven. And remember, we talked about last week that this desire to go to heaven was not that Paul desires to die. It is not like, just like I said, it's not some suicidal written note that for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is For me to live is Christ. For my whole life is Christ. To live in my life is Christ. And if I die and I get to spend eternity with Christ, it is so much better. And I talked about last week how we have such a a low view of Christ. We have so many things in our lives that are higher than what Christ is. So last week, we see Paul saying, this is my desire. Paul's talking about the Apostle Paul. To me to live is Christ. This week, he's challenging the church of Philippi and he's pointing the finger back at them. He's saying, this is what I challenge you to live by. He said, for me, I'm going to tell you, my whole life is Christ. I can't wait to get to heaven because I want to spend all eternity with Christ. But he goes on now, verse number 20, 27, to tell us what we ought to do. So Paul's challenge to the Philippian church. Number one there is live the gospel. He said, live the gospel. Your conversation simply means this, behave as a citizen or simply to live. Let's live. So live the gospel. Stand fast means to persevere. Only let your conversation, only let your life, only as you would behave yourself as a citizen, be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast, that you persevere, go forward, and strive together. means to seek jointly, to labor with. So there is one, well, there's three things that we want to talk about as we live the gospel that Paul challenges. Number one is there's one primary focus. There's one primary focus. That one is live the gospel, uh, strive together, or which one you're? Conversation. Live. Behave as a citizen, live. Stand fast, persevere, strive together to seek jointly, labor with. There is one primary focus, and that is to live the gospel. Now, let me ask you this, guys. This isn't rocket science. I think some of you guys, what does it mean when we say, the gospel. What is the gospel? Somebody tell me what the gospel is. Adam, what is the gospel? Yep, according to the scripture. That, that's the gospel. That Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. Now let me ask you this. 
The question is, if I believe the gospel to be true, how does that affect me to live? Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, I want you to have one primary focus, and that is to live the gospel. You say, how do you live the gospel? Does that mean everywhere I go, I'd have to tell people about Jesus? I believe it would be entailed in that, but I don't believe that's exactly what the passage is saying. To live the gospel. If I told you, guys, every Wednesday night <clears throat> when you showed up here, let's just say, I say it right now, Wednesday, everybody that shows up to Wednesday night service and comes out to the auditorium, I got a $100 bill for it. And I say, come on Wednesday, come get me, I'll pull out your $100 bill and I'll hand it to you. Right now, knowing that not to be true, that you know that even if I say this, Pastor Bird, like even if you think I'm as sincere as all get out, you know that come Wednesday, you're going to say, most of you are going to say, you know what, that's not going to determine whether you come to church on Wednesday because you're going to think, well, really, Pastor Bird is not going to give me $100. Like he may be <laughs> really serious and maybe he'll do it one week, but I say every week I'm going to give you $100. What would you say? <laughs> Pastor Bird was found beaten behind the church because he didn't, <laughs> because he didn't give those teenagers his $100. <laughs> but I can say that all day long. But if you do not believe that, that is not going to change you come to church or not. But now just say you knew. You knew that I had $100. You knew that I had enough money to give you guys all $100 every week. Would that not determine your church attendance on Wednesday? When you thought maybe, I, I got I a cough. don't feel that well. But I got to make it to church. <laughs> I really, I really got to get to church. Maybe you just walk in and take the $100 and then walk right back out to the car. <laughs> you walk in one auditorium door and walk out the side <laughs> and walk out the other way. But that would determine why. Because you honestly believe that I'll give you $100 for being here. That would change your behavior. Let me ask you, do you really believe the gospel to be true? That Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. See, Paul said earlier, for me to live is Christ. The die is gain. I live for Christ. Now he's saying, I'm challenging you to live the gospel. Let me ask you, if I really believe Jesus Christ died, I would know he died for what? He died for what? Go ahead, throw it out there. Just say it. All of our sin. He died for sin. Now, if I really believe the gospel, I would have to believe that sin is terrible. If I live the gospel, I'm living the true fact that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I live in that every day. When I, kill, when I go to say words out of my mouth, I'm living the gospel. Jesus Christ died for my sin. When I'm watching television, Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I look at the, the cruelty of the cross. And if I'm living the gospel, he says, he says, I want you to do this. He's in verse number 27. Read it because I want you to see it. It says, only let your conversation only be your life, what you live as becometh the gospel of Christ. So if I live the gospel of Christ, I know that Jesus Christ died. He was buried and rose again. Now, let me ask you this. Has anyone in here ever seen anybody rise from the dead? If you say yes, then I'll know that. You have other problems that Jesus Christ died for your sins, <laughs> but we've never seen that. But now I can only imagine. Well, I guess let's go back a second. It's like Jesus when he told the, the Pharisees, he asked you, he asked the Pharisees, which is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say, take up thy bed and walk. Now ask mere men, if someone, if Jesus Christ was to ask us, which one is easier? We'd say, 
Well, we can't do anything. I can't forgive his sins, and I can't tell him to get up and walk. And Jesus says, I can do both. <laughs> forgive your sins, take up your bed, get up and walk. And so when we look at that, I look at the power of Christ in my life. For me to, I mean, when I look at, for me to live the gospel that Jesus Christ was buried and rose again, that God has power over even death itself, to which none of us can say we have. There's not one of us that could add height to their stature, bring ourselves back from there. But God has that power. If I live in the gospel, I live to know that God can take care of anything that comes to my life. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? See, and I'm living the gospel. Do I really live this book? And so Paul's saying, he's saying, I'm telling you, continue away from last week. Living is Christ. When I live in my life, I just look at what Christ did for me. And I used to kill Christians and I hated Christianity. And Christ, by his grace, saved me. And that is awesome to me. He's like, now I want you to have one primary purpose. I want you to live the gospel. I want you to live the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He goes on. He says, whether Paul was present or not. He says, that whether I come and see you or, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. So whether Paul was there or not. <clears throat> so we find the second thing that Paul challenges him. He said, not only live the gospel, but live it whether I'm there or not. Here's a good one for me as an adult, for you as young people to think about. And I've asked it many a time. Do you live the same life no matter who's there? If you're with so-and-so at school, so-and-so best friend, so-and-so, do you live the same life that you live if you were sitting right beside your mom and dad? Let me ask you this, even so, more so. Let's just throw Pastor Ferguson out there. Would you talk the same way if you were sitting in the room? And Pastor Ferguson wasn't in the conversation, but he was across the room. You hear things like this. Don't say that. This is a church. You can't talk like that in church. And Paul's saying, you know what? I want you to live the gospel. Whether I'm present or not, I want you to live the gospel. And here's the reason why I believe that we're losing so many people. We were at family camp last week, and uh, Brother Hyatt. How Hightower was talking about all the the statistics of all the teens that are leaving church. Can I tell you why? I believe one of the reasons is we all have been taught to obey, to listen, to live godly when someone's there. When someone's standing right in front of me, of course. But the day's coming quickly. Cody's there. Tim's there. Where in a little bit. Cody's mom's not going to be able to tell Cody what to do because Cody's going to be in Pensacola. Tim's mom and dad aren't going to tell Tim, hey, Tim, you need to get up and do your devotions. They have to do it on their own. The day's coming quickly for you guys. And if they, you, maybe your parents don't, and you just have to do it anyway. But Paul says, I want you to live the gospel whether I come that I may hear about it. Oh, man, Paul, you haven't, you haven't been to the church in Philippi yet. But I'm telling you, that church is loving God. They're serving God. They're doing what they're supposed to be. And you know what that would be to Paul? That's like, oh, man, that's great. You know, it's the same thing for me. When someone in church tells me about something one of you guys did, you know, I'm not your parent. I'm not anything, really. I'm just a guy who comes and tries to help you out as much as I can. But when they tell me, hey, one of your teenagers came and did such and such, and it was good. You know what? Along with everything else in the world, it makes me smile. 
it makes me it makes me happy to know <laughs> it makes me happy to know that hey I've heard of their affairs and they are serving Christ. Paul says, I want your one primary focus to live the gospel. Second thing is, I want you to do it whether I'm there or not. Doesn't matter. I want you to be the same Christian whether the Apostle Paul is standing there or the Apostle Paul is not. Now, can you imagine if the Apostle Paul came over to your house for the week, your last couple weeks of summer, and the Apostle Paul went with you everywhere you went? Somebody's like, hey, this is the Apostle Paul. He's going to come. Now, I doubt most of us would be like, Yes, that's the Apostle Paul. Now, as an adult, I probably would, but I know that most time teenagers like this old man's going to go with me everywhere. And the Apostle Paul said he had uh, he had a thorn in the flesh, so he probably had some health concerns or something like that. And you're like, ah, he's got a tag on. But let's just put that aside. But you got to go with the Apostle Paul everywhere. Now, could you imagine sitting down and watching things you watch on television with the Apostle Paul sitting beside you? Hey, hey, Brother Paul, come sit on the couch. Now, you know what? There may be nothing wrong with the, uh, the things you watch on television. Maybe you're watching all good shows. You're watching hours and hours of Andy Griffith, even. And you're sitting there watching all these shows. But imagine what the commercials, how uncomfortable the commercial time would be sitting beside Apostle Paul. You're sitting there telling, hey, Brother Paul, tell me about the ministry of Macedonia. And then all of a sudden, some half-naked woman jumps across the screen. Let me tell you what you would do. You would die for the remote. <laughs> Sorry about that, Apostle Paul. You know, done save the world. Just... <laughs> There's just bad things on this television, Apostle Paul. Don't worry about it. When you would walk past, you'd be apologizing for other people's music. Walking past the car, the whole license plate and everything's rattling. Boom, boom, boom. I'm sorry, Apostle Paul. I, I wouldn't touch that. And you know, I don't do that, Apostle Paul. How would our lives be different? Paul says, Church of Philippi, I want you to be the same whether I'm there or I'm not. I want to hear of your affairs, how you are striving together. So he says this. He says, there's one primary focus, whether Paul was president or not, and three, I want you to do it in unity. Proceed in unity. This is big. He says, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, here is, I don't know if Paul is saying that the church of Philippi was struggling with this, but I know that we all struggle with this. He says, I want you to do it together. Unity it's a funny thing because no matter what, even if we are two similar people, we love to find the differences. What makes us different from everybody else? We joked, uh, we were talking about this, um, Bobby. We were talking, uh, I think it was Bobby at uh, Kobiak last week. We were talking with Bobby. Um, just talking about different things. And we ended up talking about how, how high tower. And it's just funny that no matter where you are, there are people that try to make difference. They were talking, we were talking about over in Africa where that were, there are two black people. This guy's a black guy. This guy, if you were in, I'm here in America, they would say you were both black. But over there, you're black because he's black or he is blue. Like it is like, we find whatever reason we have to be separated. Same thing we do with, we do it over in America. We would maybe do it more around sports teams. You can watch somebody walk. You can actually walk through somewhere and see somebody with a certain sports team on their shirt, and that would actually make you in your mind think, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they're wearing that shirt. We find whatever reason we have to break apart. And youth group, we do the same thing. We're all the same, almost the same people. Well, <laughs> they're 15, and I am 15 and three quarters. 
we're not the same. I, 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 I'm, I, you mean those, I, I'm, I'm in eighth grade. I mean, they're in eighth grade and I, I mean, I'm, I'm all the way in 10th. And we, when you, when you get older, you start to find out that, yeah, that two years makes a whole lot of difference. But what we find, whatever, and Paul's saying this, church at Philippi, I want you to do it with one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, think about this for just a second. Thinking about going to, if we were all right now in the trenches of a World War II, and we're fighting, we all have got guns, we're all in the trench, we're all sticking our head out over that barbed wire and shooting our guns. Some of, <laughs> well, you guys can do this stuff, but I'm going to do that. <laughs> I hope I got somebody. <laughs> but we were just all having this. Now, can you imagine to be us to be all out there? And right now, Mike is probably one of the younger ones in the youth group. So, right here with Micah, me and Micah, are, or one of you guys with Micah, and Micah's, and Micah's taking people out. Just people are dropping, and then, and then, and then. But don't worry. I've just graduated, and I know more than Micah. So I started to tell Micah, you can't do that. You're too young, and blah, blah, blah. And I go, now, is that the time to start having division? No, you just jump up and just say, go, Micah. <laughs> Hit him, too. He just stuck his head out. Or would it, that be the time to say, whoa, you mean you actually cheer for that sports team? Can I get moved down the line a little farther? I can't, I can't be with this guy that doesn't like the same sports team as I do. No, because when, when it's in that, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just, hey, we all want to live. And you know what? The same thing happens in the Christian life. Paul's saying, we are in a battle. He used the word striving together. We're laboring. We're fighting together. And he says, I want you to do it with unity. Well, let me tell you that they don't like the same things I like. You know what? In the battle, in the scope of God's ministry, that's not really that important. I'm supposed to live the gospel. That's my primary focus, to live the gospel. And no matter what happens, we love to find ways to divide. We want there to be a group that just like, you can go to, when you go to teen camp, you can, I can, you can pretty much see the, the groups that form. Like they're from different churches, never even met each other before. It's just like, this kind of person over here, Oh, Tim even knows from like all these kind of people over here, all these kind of people over here, all these kind of people over here, because we just love division. And Paul says, I want you to do this in unity. I want your primary purpose to be the gospel. And I want the second thing is that you do it whether I'm present or not. And then thirdly, you do it unity and goes on. It says this, don't be afraid. Next time on your hand out, verse 28. Don't be afraid. The word terrified means frightened. If you didn't know that, I just put it down there just because. Adversary, adversaries, to be contrary, oppose. The word token means evidence or proof. Proof is your blank there, I believe. And perdition means destruction or ruin. So he says in verse 28, and in nothing terrify, nothing be afraid by your adversaries, those that oppose you which is to them an evident token, which is a proof of destruction, but to you a salvation and that of God. Now, living the gospel is a proof to a lost world of the destruction of their lifestyle. But to us, it is evidence of the salvation of God. Living the gospel is a proof to a lost world of the destruction of their lifestyle, but to us, it is evident of the salvation of God. 
Can I tell you something? That there are a whole lot of people in this world that hate Christians because Christians do dumb things. Just going to be honest. There's people right now that I, we were told, Brother Jeff called, told us that Colonial Hills Baptist Church and the tragedy they just went to, went through, that the Westboro Baptist Church, the people that come by and picket uh, the soldiers' memorials and all that, were outside Colonial Hills picketing, saying that they deserve God's judgment for what happened. Now, you look at that, and you know, that upsets me. And the Westboro Baptist Church may call themselves Christians, and they may call themselves activists and all those things. But you know what? There's a, there's a whole lot of stuff that Christians do that the world hates Christians. You know what? Honestly, as an unsafe person, I would look at that and I would say, why would I want any part of that? That's so stupid. That's so juvenile. But Paul says, I want you to live the gospel. And by living the gospel, then there will be people that look at you, and that is going to be a sign of destruction in their lives. You're not going to have to grab a picket sign if you just live the gospel. You're not going to have to go out and get people angry. Can I tell you this real quickly? That the gospel, if you know Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection, hell, if you read through the Apostle Paul's writing, is not the gospel. Now, hell's important. It is. But if you read through the Apostle Paul, it never once does Apostle Paul say, the death, burial, the resurrection, that people are dying and go to hell. It's the gospel. He says the gospel, to live the gospel is that I am supposed to live like I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again. And you know what? In our lives, when we live the gospel, we are going to automatically, as Paul says, for them it's going to be an automatic proof of destruction in their lives. You know what? You can go to school without ever. And I, I believe, I believe you should be a verbal witness. So don't, don't get me wrong, okay? I am not saying don't be a verbal witness. But if you live the gospel, you should be able to go to your school or workplace and live the life that God's called you to live. And that should automatically wrap people around you will feel like they're going the wrong direction. If you work in the workplace a long time, sometimes, and, and some jobs I've had it, and some, people that, some jobs I haven't, and some people are different. But I remember when I worked at Honda. I, I didn't walk around all the time beating my Bible. I did carry my Bible, and I sat on my desk, and I tried to live the life that God called me to do. But people around me, hey, hey, don't talk like that in front of Aaron. Like somebody would be saying something, a customer would say something, and somebody else worked and say, hey, could you please not talk like that in front of him? He, he's a Christian. Paul says, well, to you, it's an evidence of salvation, but to the world, it's a proof that they're going the wrong direction. He says, I want you to live the gospel, but don't be afraid to live the gospel. Don't be afraid to do what you're supposed to do, because that in itself of you living the gospel is an evident token, is a proof of what salvation really is. I remember when I, one of the jobs I did when I was in college, it was not because Aaron Burton is a great guy at all, but I did try to be faithful to my job. And I, I had my pressure washing job that I've told you guys many times about. And I remember my boss, the second summer that I worked for him, I believe his wife got diagnosed with cancer. And I remember walking up to his house, getting ready for the next summer. I worked for him two summers. And I walked to his house and I told him, I was like, I just want you to know that I am praying for your wife. And he laughed at me. And he said, we don't need any prayer, but thank you. 
And I remember, like, I didn't say anything. I just said, in my mind, I mean, of course I'm mad. Yeah, you do need prayer. If you don't get my prayer, <laughs> your wife will die and go to hell. You, you, need, <laughs> you, need, you need prayer. But, of course, I'm not going to say that. I'm just thinking, all right, yes, sir. And I'm, like, going back. How in the world could somebody not want prayer and go back to my job? But can I tell you that after I worked there all summer, he, the day I went back to go back to college, the last day I worked for him, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Aaron, I really do appreciate you praying for my wife. I never told him I was praying for him again. But why? Because as Paul said, when we desire to live the gospel, now I tried to do my best at work. I was not a perfect kid. I was not doing everything that I should have done right. But I was honestly trying to live the life God called me to live at points. But when I say we live the gospel, we start to see that that's an evident token of salvation. And it shows the world, hey, I'm not going the right direction. He says, live the gospel. And then lastly, he says, suffer for Christ's sake. Be willing to suffer for Christ's sake. Verse 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now here to be in me. Christ has not only asked us to believe on him, but also to suffer persecution for his sake. Number two, Paul lives for them as an example. Christ has not only asked us to believe on him, but also to suffer persecution for his sake. Now, can I say this really quickly? Everyone in life will not suffer as we would think persecution. We in America have it very well. We do. There are people I subscribe to, um, I follow, I think it's called the Martyr persecution blog or something like that on Twitter. And they talk about all the time of people that are in foreign countries that are being killed and uh, are being killed and beaten and persecuted for their faith. You know what? I don't believe any of us had that. Not one of us came today for fear to church today to believe that maybe tonight we would not go. I mean, today we'd not go back home because someone was going to come to our church and take our, take us out. But there are people that live like that. But can I say, ask you, are we willing to suffer whatever for Christ. And Paul says, I'm letting you know that I want you to suffer for Christ and I'm your example. I'm not asking you to do anything that I wouldn't, I haven't already done to suffer for Christ. So really quickly, folks, for two seconds, purpose, my primary purpose is to live the gospel. Whether Paul's there or not, doesn't matter. My goal is to live the gospel. And as I live the gospel, people will look at me and it is an evidence of salvation to me and everyone else, that they are going a path that is destructive. And as I'm willing to go forward, I will reap what I... Paul's saying, hey, I'm telling you, you'll see this in me. I'm going forward. I'm suffering for Christ, but I'm willing to because Christ called me to live for him, but also be willing to suffer for his sake. And so he says, as I go through this, I'm going to live the life that God wants me to live. We're going to jump into Philippians chapter 2, which is probably one of my favorite... Uh, chapters of in the New Testament, we talk about he's telling us to live with Christ. He says, these are the things I want you to do. And then next week, when we go to chapter two, he's going to start saying, now, my goal is to live for Christ. I want you're going to live the gospel. He's like, we're going to look at how Jesus Christ lived and then match ourselves up to that. So let's pray and we're dismissed. Dearly Father, God, we thank you so much for this passage. God, I thank you so much for the challenge, Lord, from the Apostle Paul. Lord, I pray that we would believe the gospel so much, Lord, that it would affect our lives. God, that we would believe, Lord, that you actually died, Lord, because our sins are wicked. And, Lord, that you loved us enough that you came to earth. And, Lord, that you 
died, but not only that, but you were buried and rose again, Lord, that you hold the power for everything that I need in my life. And Lord, help me to live like that. And Lord, help these young people to do so also. God, help us, Lord, that we would be the same Christian no matter where we're at. Lord, we need your help so badly in this area because, Lord, our flesh is so powerful, Lord. The devil is so deceptive. And, Lord, we ask that you would please just work in our hearts. Be with our service this morning. Be with, uh I believe Pastor Flanders, as he brings your word, God, that you would work in our hearts. We'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.